Hi, my name is Terry Lynch. I'm the CEO of Power Nickel. Power Nickel is developing the Nitsk Nickel Sulfide Project in Namaska, Quebec. Terry, good to see you. Uh, welcome to London. Um, well, unfortunately, we're not able to see each other today because you're also running around uh, seeing investors across Europe as, as well. Um, right, it's been a sort of interesting year for uh, Mining Juniors this year. Um, how do you think you've fared? Yeah, fair to middling. You know, uh, you know, on the market side of things, I think we've hit the ball of the park operationally. And I guess if you had to choose, you'd rather hit the ball of the park operation and be fair to middling of the market because you, you can never control the drill bit. <laughs> you know, so thanks God, that's been uh, been very good to us. Right. Okay. And and, and I noticed the announcement, oh, you're going to raise some um, some capital. Um, why? Why now? Um, surely there are better times to raise money in the market. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, we've never really had the frothy market that, you know, as we've been developing. And so we've always been a just-in-time sort of uh, business now. Luckily, we got four times the market price for our stock, so there is that, you know. So, so it was a uh, sorry. Explain that, Terry. You yeah. Got what? So our market price was twenty two and a half. We raised it at ninety. So super non dilutive to our shareholders, uh, and you know, people say, "Well, how the hell did you do that?" And you know, there's really sort of you know two reasons. Uh, one, it was a a a current a business relationship with a company called Stephen Morrow who's doing our feasibility study. And uh, so they're obviously deep in the weeds. They know the project quite well. They're they're a big industry investor, 18 plants around the world. So they uh, they know what's coming out with our 43101 or they, they've already done that math. And I said, look, we're simply not going to dilute down here. Otherwise, we're just waiting, you know, because the news is coming. And uh, so that was one element of it. The second element was, of course, the Quebec two for one. So really the 90 cents really is a reflective of a 45 cent uh, price. So 45 was about double what we had. We were 22 and a half when, when we did the deal. So uh, it wasn't as painful as most financings are today for most mining companies. So in that case, it was uh, it was pretty reasonable. And, and we needed to push the product forward so that we can have our uh, feasibility uh, study completed by the end of uh, Q1 or early Q2. So the, the Quebec two for one, explain that. Why, why do you guys get a free pass? Uh, you, you know what? I mean, basically, if you have a critical mineral mine in Quebec, uh, you can uh, use the several Quebec-based financial institutions, and they will, uh, you know, you know, package the tax incentives to the Quebecers, and uh, they'll invest at say X, and the same day you're you bring in a buyback investor that buys it back for half X, and that's the Quebec two for one. And I've done it okay. kind of four times. Okay. And then, right, so let's talk about the kind of use of proceeds. Because obviously, you've, you've done a fair bit of drilling. Um, what do you now need to do? Because I think we're going to sort of, hopefully, about the 4301 coming out shortly. Yeah. Um, what do you need to do with that money? Yeah. So uh, we'll continue to drill, of course. Uh, we'll be drilling up until the mid December, and then we'll start again in mid, you know, maybe the first week in January. Um, so, because, you know, we're continuing to add tons with NISC Maine, but we've, uh, and we've identified, you know, uh, you know, using the fleet ambient noise uh, tomography in conjunction with our other tools, we've identified, you know, four other similar pods we feel to NISC main. So our our guidance to the market has been that we'll we'll produce a forty three one oh one uh next week, uh somewhere in the eight to ten million ton range. So uh and you know if that's for the one pod, we think that pod will ultimately grow to somewhere between ten to twelve million tons, maybe more. Um, so, so that's, we're continuing to drill that and that will be continuing to go on. Uh, and then we'll look to get into the, uh, attack, the other pods, which have a very particular signature, uh, that we've identified through this ambient noise tomography. 
So, uh, you know, this is uh, a bit more of a refined approach on the exploration side. So we're, we're excited to pursue that. Um, yeah, looking forward to an exciting, uh, you know, start to the year. Right. So, so obviously what you've been showing up certainly in the, in the press releases is that the, the grades are there. So it's not just nickel, it's copper. It's, you know, that you got all, you got all the byproduct. And yep. in fact, um, some of them could be the lead product, uh, one, one could argue. So, um, what what you now need to do, what you now need to demonstrate to the market, and what um, I think is is the scale. How are you going to do that if you're having to raise money in drips and drafts? I mean, it, it, it's it's tough out there. It's tough to get noticed out there. You've often told me you've got the best nickel project going. How do you convert that into stock buying? I, yeah, I, I think uh, people were waiting for the first 43101. You know, so this this is a milestone thing for us puts us on the map. We haven't had a legitimate one. We had a historic one, as you know. And uh, for several funds, they can't invest until you actually have a 43-101. So I think our stock price has been penalized you know, in that box. Uh, you know, and those those uh, covers come off. So, you know, we'll be able to now, I think, uh, you know, talk to all the potential funds that, you know, couldn't really look at us. And I think that will have a transformative effect on the stock, which will obviously increase the market capitalization, allow us to tie into bigger funds. Uh, you know, we've been able to, you know, move forward productively from a dilution perspective because of the Quebec uh, incentive packages. And that's the only thing that's been good. Uh, thanks God we were able to do that. And, and uh, but I, I expect in the future we'll be able to do a, a more robust financing at a much higher price using the same packages. But, uh, but uh, you know, a, a larger number, right? But you're still sort of down at that level where it's it's going to be mostly retail. But looking at this, you're talking about institutional. Um, I think well, the next time around, no. Uh, I think I think what'll happen. I mean, you know, look at, at this round. Uh, CV Murray put up two point seven five million, or, or basically that's the number. Um, and we just we just had another. We just did a two million dollar round with uh, Rob McEwen and my family. So significant players are coming in now. And I think now with the 43-101, we'll, we'll move forward. I, I've advanced in uh, due diligence with two or three of the biggest uh, battery metal funds in the world, uh, and they're all waiting on the 43-101. So I think there is going to be a, a changing tide for us, and uh, you know we'll we'll wait to see what happens in that respect. Uh, you know, frankly speaking, Matt, if the market doesn't wake up, we'll end up selling this thing sooner to industry for a, you know many times more than where we're at right now. Because at some point you st- you got to stop stealing from yourself, you know, and and uh, that's what happens if you dilute, you know, if you have to dilute down here at twenty five cents or something like that. That's just you're just killing yourself. Well, I mean, it's not the first time I've heard that um, from in, in this sector. People in, in a market like this, people talk a lot about going private. Uh, quite frankly, because at least you get credit for what you're doing. Um, come back to that question of scale for me, though, um, Terry. With because I you're done drilling, you're going to be doing drilling. How much more drilling before you kind of get to scale with this type of ore body? Um, yeah, so that because so, because yeah. the yeah the forty three one hundred and one is, is is one thing, but we've got to put you know better and better economics on something like it's going to need to, we need to work out how you make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically, I would say uh, this the thing becomes economic with this forty three one hundred and one. You're going to have a, you know probably a hundred thousand contained tons of nickel. And you know we're going to have a full feasibility out from CVMR uh, saying, "Hey, we built this plant. It, you know, here uh, would make this much money. We'd have this much investment and this much returns. And we're, those returns are, by the way, they're going to be ridiculous. Like, you know, I'm I'm talking 
north of 50 IRR is my expectation. So, uh, so this is going to be an amazingly profitable spot to do business and not a crazy sum of mon- money. I, I expect we could build a phenomenal plant there for 300 million in that range. And half of it, we're going to get from the government. Okay. Because of the tax credits and stuff. And then you've got the U S department of defense that is, you know, keen to support nickel initiatives in North America, class one nickel. So, so trust me, this is going to be a really phenomenal economic project. And, you know, we had to get this 43101 out. And that's why, you know, if the market doesn't wake up, we'll end up doing it privately because it can be financed and uh, it'll be a shame because, you know, we'll have to, you know, sell it for, you know, just a few hundred million when, if we could develop it, I think we could take it to a couple of billion, but you know, we can only do what we can do. So we'll have to see. Right. Okay. And so if, if, I, if I just kind of just while sticking on the, on, on the project proper and then the investment thesis proper, you, you, like you say, as you have sort of said to me constantly, this is one of the best nickel projects going in, in, in Canada. Um, sell it, sell it to me. The world, not Canada. The world. Okay. The, think Let's big. Go for it. The, the, think the message big. I had when uh, I was at the last uh, investment forum was, and it was in London, was that we were the single best in nickel investment deal on the planet. And and I made my case. Give me your three or five reasons to, to believe. Go on. Oh, number one reason is we probably, you know, uh, in terms of the nickel in the ground per unit of market capital, we've, you know, in uh, at, at high grade. Okay. I'm talking 1% nickel or better. I'm not talking about these, you know, large volume projects as their economics are vastly different. So in that respect, you know, we've got the most. And if you compare ourselves to the other high grade nickel sulfide projects around the world, uh, we're trading at between five to 20% of their value. Uh, and arguably, we're in the best jurisdiction. Uh, we're with the best infrastructure, the best, uh, least amount of community risk, and the best fiscal incentives. Uh, and then on the exploration side, we've identified that right now we're going to be eight and a half to ten million tons. You know, with our forty-three one hundred one, we think that'll go to twelve to fourteen. We think we have maybe three or four of these at from surface to five hundred meters to find. This is every nickel sulfide mine in the history of the world has always been multiple pod. We've just got one pod right now. Will, will that be the only pod? Highly unlikely. We're going to find others. So this will be probably plus 30 million ton deposit from zero to 500 meters. And you know where most of the nickel is found in most of the nickel mines? 500 meters to two kilometers. That's what happens in Norilsk. That's what's happened in Voices Bay. That's what happened in Raglan. So all that extra bonus, like you're buying this thing for 10 cents on the dollar, and we got all this massive upside. And that's just on the expiration. And wait, it gets better because we've got, you know, uh, our, our refined approach. We're going with CBMR on in terms of building a plant. And, you know, they basically, their approach will allow us to get maybe as much as an extra 20% out of our ore body and to get two and a half to three times revenue for our product. And that's not a fantasy. That's a reality. They've got 18 plants around the world. So uh, when I say it's the best nickel investment on the planet, it's not even close. Okay, there you go. That's the selling bit over with. Now I need you to help me with it with the sector um, more more broadly. Sure. Um, you have recently filed a complaint uh, about illegal short selling. You've been on the show and explained it to me in the past, and there has been various bits of lobbying happen, but it's all been slightly ineffectual. Now you're going for the throat. Tell me why. Yeah, the, 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 there's been some recent legal cases in the states that have changed the market, uh, changed the landscape. So uh, a company called Harrington Global uh, won a a uh, lawsuit against uh, uh, CFAC World Markets at all. And it took them several years and many millions of dollars, but they did win it. 
And and what the takeaway of that case was that CIBC World Markets were saying, hey, we rent our pipe to whoever we rent our pipe to, and what they do is up to them. And if you've got an issue with them and how they're, you know, naked short selling your market or spoofing your market and it's causing you damage, go and sue them. Don't sue us. We're just running on the bite. Well, courts found that to be not a plausible answer. And they've said, no, sir, you're responsible for the actions of your client if they're being reckless. So in this case, if if, if, if you should have known that they're doing illegal things like naked short selling or spoofing that it's causing destruction to uh, other market participants, that's on you. Well, Banks have a much bigger wallet than than uh, offshore hedge funds who trade through a number of companies. So that's a landscape change. So if you're a compliance officer at a bank, you're now trembling in your boots because now it's like, hey, little companies like Power Nickel are going to start to wake up, which we've done. We've got the same evidence that they use. We follow the same pathways. That was my friend that actually did that case. He told me, talk to these guys, use these techniques, get this information. That's what we did. That's what we got. And that's why we sort of rolled out and we're going to start with the complaint. And if we have to, we'll take it to the... Well, look, look I, I can see why the compliance officer, you know, will be trembling in their boots because, you know, they're liable. They're liable financially. Uh, and quite frankly, you know, prison sentences are dished out too. So that, that's good news. Um, can you tell me, what sort of support have you got behind you? Are other people um, supporting what you're doing, but, you know, transferring that into action rather than just, you know, wait, arm waving behind you? Yeah, I, I think this time is really different. Uh, yesterday we had the uh, Save to Name 9 podcast where uh, Eric Sprott was on it with us uh, talking, you know, helping us, uh, guiding uh, and saying to the CEOs listening, you need to get active, you need to get engaged. And we had the leading sort of uh, tool providers, the, you know, Wes Christian, the, the top litigator in the space, David Winger and Tom Rank, the top sort of data collectors in the space, the evidence that you need just to move forward. So we had uh, 1,200 people on the call, which is for a, a business call is huge, right? It was the biggest in six who hosted it was that's the largest call they've ever had so uh you know I, I spoke to probably 20 or 30 ceos afterwards on round tables so i think there's a there's a lot of interest uh you know because they, they you know market is uh, the the uh, uh you know, the folks are desperate you know the stocks are as low as they possibly can be and if you believe in your enterprise you got to get out and defend it and and now because of the the the, the rule changes you can actually do something effective you know, and and uh, I think it's it's going to be a TSN turning point. Uh, you know, where where people will sort of look, and that's what we 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 talked yesterday about a message of of hope, not of whining. In that, look, it's so low that you you can go now and communicate. And this is what we this is what you're going to see over the next coming days is companies are going to start to communicate with their much like Power Nickel did with its shareholders. Other companies are going to start to communicate, say, hey, here's the problem, and here's what we're doing about it. And now's not the time to go. Now's the time to buy because we're gonna we're gonna turn this around. That's what I believe is going to happen. So this is uh, could be a catalytic moment for the sector. Well, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. You know, whining doesn't get you anywhere. Action yeah, does. Not. So um, I know you filed a complaint, but how do how do you and the people that you know are working with you escalate this? Because the banks need to be put under some pressure. I. I but, but they've got to they've got to feel that that is going to result in you know heavy fines if not now in the future you know penalties jail yeah. sentences all that sort of stuff. You could just just very quickly because I I think that I think the the issue is if they don't feel it's serious if they don't if they feel it's like one company not a bunch of companies you're not going to get anywhere so this escalation is really really important so how do you drive that? Yeah, so multiple ways. So the first thing is you've got to 
got to have the uh, the appropriate process. So the guys we work with have won 11 cases between 10 and $100 million. So these are the guys that would scare them, okay? So that's step one. Step two is you follow that process of getting the evidence and starting the best practices. We're followed by sending them first, uh, you know, 14 letters out to compliance officers, asking them to clarify how they've got these negative trading balances. They haven't really responded properly on that. And now you move it up to the formal complaint. So now IROC or CRO, now it's called, and FINRA have to act. Uh, so that's the next step. And then then the other things that we're doing a little differently now is we're, we've reached out to industry partners, other you know CEOs, and saying, hey, guys, you all need to get engaged. You know, Eric Sprott, the biggest mining investment plant, is telling them, hey, wake up and get engaged because we need like the lots of power nickels, not just one. We need 50 of you or 100 of you to take this action because, as you say, it's the numbers that count because that's what's going to concern them because each each company is going to start to communicate with its shareholder base and say, talk to your MP, talk to your MLA and say, hey, what is government doing that is allowing this to destroy our industry? This is ridiculous. Get off and do your job. Okay, um, which would be brilliant. Um, and can you just help me out? I'm just trying to understand the difference between shorting, naked shorting, Canadian law, US law. Is, is it all the same? No, so 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 let me. What what shorting is when you borrow a stock and you say, hey, you know, I think Terry Lynch is an idiot and he's going to drive his company in the ground and I'm going to sell this stock because I'm going to buy it back later. That's legitimate, you know. That's okay. We got no problem with that. Okay. What's predatory short selling is when you you sell a stock you don't own, never have intention of borrowing it, and you market as a long ticket. Okay. So so that that is deceiving deceiving the market. And and if you do that uh, and keep on and people are wondering where is the stock coming from? Why are people selling? And that what happens is it's predatory because normal investors don't know what's going on, see this selling pressure and think that hey there must be something I don't know and I, I sell my stock too. So that's why this TSXV is at the world's you know at, at its lowest levels in history is because they've been driven off the cliff by these you know characters. And uh, so that's the short thing. The rules in the U.S. Are much more clear that it's illegal. Canada, a little less clear. It's still a zero has said it's illegal, but there is some you know uh, nuances around it. But uh, generally speaking, it's illegal and uh, has to be stopped. Can it pro- can it be ever eradicated? Do you think that the exchange, you think the IROCs, the SECs of this world, care enough about a, a sector which is you know relatively small compared to everything? It, you know what there? the uh, the the the, the key thing there is look at what happened in South Korea. South Korea banned short selling completely as a country just in the last few weeks. Thailand's looking at banning it. So it, it's not just affecting mining stocks. That that's We just happen to be miners, so we're worried about our sector. But it's happening in, 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 in biotech. It's happening in industrials. Anything beneath a billion dollars is getting shorted to oblivion. So, so but basically capitalism, the formation of capital in Canada is at almost at a stop. So, so if you want to have economy, and I would think any country would that they're gonna they're gonna make it a priority. So, but it's a bit of a it's on the people, it's on us as citizens and as business leaders to get out there and say, hey, wake the hell up, government, start to do your job. And and eventually, you know, it's so bad, Matt. It's like Rick Rule says, the cure for low prices is low prices. It's sort of like that right now. We're so we're so depressed that where everyone's sort of like that Peter Finch moment and network where you open the window up and say, I'm damn angry, you know, and I think everyone's there and we're, we're not going to take no for an answer. We're going to get militant. We're going to get loud. And as a result, we're going to get results. 